I'll stay on the porch Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Where you get that from? Grab a mic, spit one Let me hit that blind Pimp C, 8 ball and MJG Keep spitting that B to the IMP Bun B, that's Texas, baby Ballin' G, that's Memphis, baby Short dog, that's and we are live business and buckets episode 120 coming at you on this beautiful tuesday evening in the phoenix area and uh a lot of a lot of mma stuff to talk about uh you know some of a lackluster fight night vegas apex cards in the ufc world a little knuckle mania um Really, just everything feels oversighted by the big UFC 285 card happening and, and the stacked month of March. March Madness, UFC. Um, what else we got going on? Uh, baseball, spring training. A lot of fun things. F1, if you're a fan. A lot of fun things going down in March. And I am just sitting here and, you know, full of excitement, joy, and anticipation. Uh, but before we talk MMA and sports, we're going to talk the one and only sponsor here at the Business at Buckets podcast, and that's Fueled Supplements. So do you guys have trouble sleeping? Do you wake up groggy, not feel like you even rested? Do you toss and turn at night? If so, it's time to get knocked out. It's back. The market-leading advanced sleep and recovery formula knocked out is back in stock with the new facelift with two new flavors and an improved ingredient profile. You can experience an unreal night's rest with this all-in-one sleep formula, superior recovery, muscle repair, pain relief, and anti-inflammation. You can fall asleep faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling more refreshed. It helps regulate depressive and sedative actions critical for relaxation, decreases stress and anxiety, manages cortisol and adrenaline reset, Increases growth hormone production. So you get two delicious f- flavors to suit your taste buds. Watch your sleep improve, your mood improve, your productivity improve, and your life improve with Knocked Out. You can save some cash when using my promotion code BUCKETS at FueledSupplements.com. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off. And I, I mean, sleep's important. Uh, sleep something... I want to say after I turned, you know, like mid-28, heading into 29, it was something I had to take seriously. I used to say sleep is for for billionaires. I'm grinding. I'm doing my thing. I don't need any of that. And I was invincible until I wasn't. Um, And I moved to Arizona now, really uh, focusing on health and fitness. I even have the, the whoop strap here to help with my sleep recovery. And I use Knocked Out to help me get in that deep sleep uh, because I, I'm a guy that just tossing and turning, right? I'm trying to train myself to sleep on my back, not my side all the time. It's just a whole deal. But uh, Knocked Out's definitely a great supplement. Highly recommend it. Go to fueledsupplements.com. And again, if you're buying supplements, just check them out. It takes five minutes, high quality products, give them a shot. You don't like them, move on. But I guarantee you will. And it's a lot better than going to GNC and getting the rich, helping the rich get richer, help the, the corporate companies. It's a, you know, Americans built on the American dream, supporting small business. So go out there and support your small business. Uh, a close relationship I have, great business, fieldsupplements.com. Check them out. 
So, um, always give you guys a quick little week update. You know, I've just been kind of in my routines, really focusing on uh, getting consistent with jujitsu. Uh, the gym at Lifetime Fitness, amazing gym I, I live next to here, as well as getting the rebranding set up for the podcast and, you know, making sure I'm a top dog at my job. But uh, this weekend, it was just a nice weekend of r and I have a bunch of friends. Uh, well, I have a friend coming this weekend, some coworkers coming right after he leaves. And then I have my cousins coming for like two weeks. So I have a lot of people coming. Just wanted to use the time to, to relax, watch the fights, did a hike one day, just, you know, re- some, some real low-key low stuff. Because uh, I have a bunch of spring training games coming up, which I'm excited for. And, and I needed to make sure I had my work done uh, and just things prepped up for uh, the, the big hostings coming up. And uh, if you guys are baseball fans, um, you know, I'm an Angel fan, obviously. Also support my buddy's crew uh, sweatshirt here. Pretty dope sweatshirt. I'm not usually a, like a crew sweatshirt guy, uh, but I really like it. The color. I wore the short shirt before. Shout out Niche Clothing, Evan Lundy, uh, and, and what he's doing. Uh, it's definitely got some swagger to it. Um, but I'm just excited for baseball, man. Being a Jazz Steelers fan and all my teams, the Avalanche being beat up and on a on a path to repeat. But I, I don't have a lot that I'm super pumped for. So uh, we'll see how long I am hyped about the Angels before they crush my dreams. Um, but uh, I, I'm telling you what. As we head to March, the UFC has got some bangers. We got Game Bread coming up. You got the PFL season kicking off. Um, But some fights have been booked. We got Jan Kutalaba, Tanner Bozer dropping down to light heavyweight, looking to get some momentum April 15th. That's a scrap if I've ever seen one. Uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrike stepping up and getting the big-time prospect, Jailton Almeida, May 13th. We'll see how high of a level Almeida can reach. Charles Oliveira, Benil Dariush official, and I am so happy for Benil as he's been getting the Tony Ferguson treatment. And although Charles is not a champion, he's a recent champion, and uh, I really do hope he gets to, to see a title shot. It's going to be a one hell of a fight. UFC 288 getting booked up. We also have Marina Rodriguez, Verna Jandaroba, UFC 288. I think Marina Rodriguez is one of the best female fighters in the sport. Uh, the veteran Carolina, uh, Carolina Kowalszewicz versus Vanessa Demo, uh, Demopoulos on May 13th. That'll be a fun one. Um, Mackenzie Dern, Angela Hill, the... Uh, very good Mackenzie Dern finally getting a chance to face off against a savvy veteran in Angela Hill May 13th. So some two uh, good women's fights on May 13th. Probably be a fight night. Hopefully not an apex. Uh, also, finally official. Been rumored for quite some time on what's going on. Aljamain Sterling, Henry Cejudo, Triple C, UFC 288. That's the main event. The Oliveira Dariush fights the co-main event. Both amazing fights, hard to pick. Can't wait to break those down in the coming weeks. Um, Lena Landsberg announcing her retirement after her fight this past weekend. We'll break that down further. The ultimate fighter drama, Conor McGregor in the house, looking all coked out, firing contestants, bringing his own guys in. Exactly why you bring Conor McGregor, the ultimate fighter. 
just, you know, stirring the pot, causing drama, trying to get those ratings. But why I'm excited about the Ultimate Fighter, besides uh, the, the potential Conor McGregor, Chandler chirping, the potential matchup, is uh, 406 alumni Hunter Azure uh, is going to be on the um, veteran part of the roster. It's some new guys and some guys that have been in and out of the UFC. So Hunter Azure trying to fight his way back. And a, a guy that was a legit state, state champion when I was in high school wrestling in Poplar, Montana. And the guy is just yoked. Um, you know, a couple kids now here in the Phoenix area. Trains his ass off at Fight Ready MMA. So I'm ex excited to see what he can do because uh, I really want him a ch to give him a chance to shine the UFC. And when he was in the UFC, he fought some motherfuckers. I mean, Jack Shore. Um, I can't even remember who else he fought, but he fought some tough guys. So uh, really excited for that. And no surprise, two guys that fought this weekend already cut. We got William Knight, Jordan Wright, and Sadio Kub Kokramanov have been removed from the UFC. No surprise by William Knight and Jordan Wright, especially after their last performances and their streaks. But I am really shocked about Kokramanov being removed from the UFC. And this could be a, a thing where he's off the roster because he's not signed and he could be re-signed in the future. If not, I am sure other promotions will jump all over him. Um, he's only 27 years old. He lost to Saeed Nurmagomedov. He beat Ronnie Lawrence, Trevor Jones, Askar Askar. Coming into the UFC, he was only 2-1 and one in the UFC. So I wonder if it's difficulties of him being a, a booked fighter. He was active with two, two fights in 2022. He had a canceled fight against Brian Kelleher. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but um, I'm sure we'll see more of him in the MMA world. That, that's I could almost guarantee that. And then we had Knucklemania. I didn't break it down last week because I, I forgot it was happening until the day I saw Wayans like, oh, shit. And the reason it was uh, something to keep an eye on is because of the ex-UFC blood in the main events. So Knucklemania 3, we had Austin Trout just taking it to Diego Sanchez with a third-round TKO. Uh, he was just keeping him at distance with the jab. was too fast for Diego. Every time Diego tried to close distance, he was taking shots. And, and the... the judging or the refs had to stop the fight because of the nasty cut that Diego Sanchez had suffered. And when Diego Sanchez signed with BKFC, you know, I said, I'd probably watch, but just more damage to this guy. I mean, how much damage can these sanctioned sports, right? Allow these fighters to go through Diego Sanchez has had some serious damage in his day, probably brain damage CTE. And that's just me being transparent as a viewer, you know, my goal is to tell you guys exactly how I see things. Some people hate it or love it, but uh, it's just we should not allow Diego Sanchez to fight anymore. Please protect this man. Um, John Dodson, first-round knockout over Gerard Grant. Great to see John Dodson, man. He's a dog. He was a, a great flyweight in the UFC, faster than shit, good athlete, explosive, and, and he took it to him. Uh, Jared Grant had no, no chance in that fight. And then John Watson knocking out Greg Hardy in round two. I have no idea who John Watson is. He looks like a beefed, roided-out dude that I would see at a Gold's gym. But he landed one on Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, you could tell, just getting overzealous, saying, hey, I could knock anyone out, bare knuckle. And he threw up a, a, such a wide shot, wide-looping shot. He threw everything into it. I feel like by the time he could recover, someone could get like five shots in. 
You know, an anime where someone's like, Bruh! and they're like, choo, choo, choo. that's what I felt like what happened. Um, but John Watson, by the time Greg Hardy recovered from that clean counter-strike and shut the lights off in spectacular fashion. And then Lorenzo Hunt, what a fucking fight. I mean, Lorenzo Hunt looks like a savage. I've seen him fight a couple times before, but his highlight reels that they showed to, to amp up the fight were unreal. And he gets knocked down. It looks like he may be getting knocked out. Gets up one shot in. Just cleans this guy's clock. He has like the Monopoly mustache. Uh, Mike Richmond, who seems like a, a pretty solid contender for BKFC. I'm assuming this is heavyweight. Uh, but golly, what a what a crazy situation uh, to watch that where I, I don't feel like you get to see someone who damn near gets knocked out one punch later knocks the other guy out. It was, it was quite this scene and just something that you don't see very often. So it was, it was somewhat of a fun thing. You know, I, I just wanted to see Greg Hardy. I thought Greg Hardy would knock someone out. Got the opposite results. Uh, John Dodson, I assumed would destroy the competition there and watching their, their, the best of their best with Lorenzo hunt and the comeback fashion. So something fun to watch. You know, I only bring up other things that I'm think I'm interested in watching uh, to try to get you guys interested or just guide you on, on what's to come. So I did not preview it, but it happened, so wanted to quickly break it down. So um, the next day on ESPN+, Plus, we had UFC Fight Night Vegas 69. Had a good uh, day of picks, missed the main event. I hate when I almost go for a clean sleep. I did put a parlay in, and it busted it, but I'm super, super cool with that, and we'll talk about why. Uh, but went 6-1 and one on my picks. Um the fights that we did not preview that played out decently that are worth watching back if you have ESPN+. Plus, uh, We had Clayton Carpenter with a first-round submission. AJ Fletcher, second-round submission. These are young, up-and-coming people. And then Jamal Emmers with a huge win. Unanimous decision over the undefeated 23-0 Kusain Askabov. So uh, some decent early fights in the prelims. But the fight we broke down, and we're going to start with is Ovince St. Peru and Felipe Lins getting a quick knockout over OSP. And uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say OSP has looked terrible in his last few fights, but you could tell he's not the typical OSP. He's not primetime OSP. And Felipe Lins is a guy with serious power, has moved down to light heavyweight, and if he puts it, some things together, he could be a dangerous fighter. Um, I remen- remember him from uh, the PFL is really... When it opened up, I believe he left the UFC, went to the PFL, uh, won the championship, then came back to the UFC. So there was some, you know, kind of aura around him. It's like, all right, let's see what the PFL champion could do in the UFC. And it's been up and down. And OSP, I've been watching him for years. I mean, this guy's a legend. Fought the best of the best, light heavyweight and heavyweight. Obviously, we, we broke it down last week and, and what he does best with the chokes, all the submissions. Um but I, I was pretty confident Felipe Lins would get the job done. I didn't think it would happen that fast, although I'm not surprised. And uh, Felipe Lins is lucky that OSP kind of just was like, fuck, you know, what do you do at this point? Because Felipe Lins, when he hit OSP, went all out. And if uh, OSP was going to be able to, like, kind of skirt out of there, recover, and, and, and fight back, he might have emptied out the tank. Uh, but he just kept going with uppercuts in the, in the guard, and right as OSP was trying to slide away on the cage, caught him with a big looping shot, and that was pretty much all it took. It only took uh, Felipe 18 total strikes and significant. 
had the knockdown, and OSP only landed one total insignificant strikes in the fight. So like I said, it didn't take long at all. OSP does start a new losing streak. He is 2-4 and four since the beginning of 2020. Um, you know, he had a mix of fights at heavyweight and light heavyweight. And Felipe extends his winning streak to two. Both of those have happened since he's been back in the light heavyweight division. So what's next for these guys? Well, I'd love to see Devin Clark and Felipe Lin square up. Lin's on a little bit of momentum. Devin Clark a little bit of a momentum. Both guys have gone up and down and have, you know, been potential legit fighters on the roster so they could fight to see, see who could enter the top 15. And if OSP does continue to fight in the UFC, um, you know, it's like, does he retire? Does he fight at light heavyweight? Uh, you know, no one really knows. But I'm just going to say he comes back at light heavyweight and fights Tafan Nachukwi. I think that would be uh, the perfect fight for him. Then also in the uh, prelims, we had Myra Bueno Silva with a second round submission via knee bar over Lena Landsberg. Performance of the night. Give her those 50 G's. And uh, I mean, you know, Lena's a, a legend. She, she, she battles. She's known as the elbow queen for a reason. And, and it was a pretty fair fight on the feet. Uh, the first round was pretty competitive. But Mayra, as you would expect, was looking to get this to the ground, and Lena could not defend that. And when that's the case, she was going to find the submission. And you get a, a jiu-jitsu, uh, I want to say she's an artist, but someone that's a, as talented as Mayra is in, in jiu-jitsu, a knee bar comes open. I mean, you're, that's, a, that's a terrible night in the office. And um, that's exactly what happened. Just seeing if my, my shit's fully charged here. Um. Because this is just kind of a clash of styles, right? Um, Lena's not known for her ground game. And statistically, it only took Myra uh, 58 total strikes, 39 of them significant. And then she had two takedowns in a submission attempt. I think she was two for three. So if she wanted to take down, she was getting it. I, 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 like I said, coming in the fight, I really only thought the way Lena was going to win this is if she could um, uh, keep it on the feet and Myra, Myra was going to you know, almost let her ego get to her and say, hey, I could put her out while standing and not stick to the game plan. And Lena did land 40 total, 25 significant strikes and had a reversal uh, on the ground as well. Now, Myra extends her winning streak to three since the loss uh, against a very good Manon Firo in 2021. So she lost to a very high-level competitor, number one, fought for the title, three, three-fight winning streaks since then. And, uh... You know, an impressive run in the UFC. She earned the contract from the Dana White Contender Series. She moves up two spots to number 12 now. And I think can be a, a pretty, you know, a problem in the bantamweight division, really. And Lena ends her career on a four-fight losing streak. She hasn't won since September of 2019. So Lena announces retirement. So we don't have to, you know, think about what her next opponents could be. For Myra, I would love to see her get another step up in competition. Maybe fight Misha Tate. Uh, maybe Carol Rosa, who just beat Landsberg as well. Those seem like good matchups. But we have no idea what's going on with Misha Tate. But that would be a fun matchup. So I'd love to see that happen. Heading to the main card. We had Martin Procnio with a unanimous decision over William Knight. And coming in, it's like, man, this card could really just be a dud. And this fight was brutal. It was William Knight 
literally looks like a black knight, fucking shredded, muscles on muscles. And, and he just, I, I don't know if he came in injured, you know, the, the quick leg kicks that Procneo had to him just kind of stifled him. But he barely did anything all day long except sit in range. And, dude, his quads are fucking ginormous. And all he was doing was letting Pro- Procneo tee off. Um, William only landed eight total and significant strikes over three rounds. I mean, that's lower volume than the Carla Esparza Rose Nama Yunus fight. Um, and he was 0 for 3 in takedowns. I don't remember him really trying takedowns like that, but that's how they scored it. And Marcin landed 79 total and 79 significant. I mean, I'm going to pull this up real quick because actually I don't think it shows you. Out of those 79, I swear 70 of those were leg kicks. And I've never taken like a professional MMA calf kick, a solid leg kick. But could you imagine taking 70 of those damn things? And William Knight's legs are straight tree trunks. So... Uh, quite a, quite a weird way to start the main, actually, this was the second fight on the main card. It was predicted to be the first, but just not a good start to the night on the main card. Uh, Marcin starts a new winning streak. He is three and one since the beginning of 2021 and William extends his losing streak to three. He had not won since December of 2021 and apparently his contract's over. He's no longer with the UFC. So what is next? Well, I had for night. Maybe fighting Jordan Wright, who also lost on the card and who was also cut, which could have made sense. Uh, but for um, Procneo, I, I think Matt Grishin, Maxim Grishin, uh, Marcin Procneo, uh, they both just beat William. They're right in the same area in the rankings. That would be a, a good fight to make next. And then we had Jamal Pogues, a lot of younger, bigger dudes in here. Jamal Pogues with the unanimous decision over Josh Parisian. Parisian. And um, to me, this fight was just the heart and determination of Parisian, man. I mean, Jamal Pogues coming in with some blast doubles and some big guys. One of those blast doubles where their shoulders lands on your chest and you're out of breath type shit. And he was taking big hit after big hit. But he stood in there for three rounds, even had some of his moments right at the end of the third round. Uh, got a, a little bit of on top control on the side of the cage with a, like maybe a hook in. And had some ground and pound. Uh, but not many of... I feel like a lot of guys in this position would have been broken by Pogues. And uh, Josh did it. And, and, and he's really trying to fight for his brand. Um, statistically, Jamal landed 49 total strikes. 33 of those significant. He had five takedowns on 11 attempts. And I'm sure his top control time was, was out of this world. Josh had 51 total strikes. 37 of those significant. And he had two takedowns. Uh, and or had a takedown and two attempts himself. So Josh starts another losing streak. He's three and three in the UFC, and Jamal extends his winning streak to three with the Contender Series win. He's now two and zero oh in the UFC. Good start for Jamal, the Stormtrooper Pogues. And uh, for Josh, I, I think Jake Collier uh, would make sense uh, for for the next fight. Um, and for Jamal, um, how about uh, Muhammad Usman? He was an ultimate fighter participant. Obviously, his Kamara Usman's little or younger, bigger brother. And I think those would be a, a great fight. The Stormtrooper, Muhammad Usman. Let's make that ish happen. 
And uh, for some other big dogs, we had Zach Palga. Again, how this was almost at the end of the main card blows my mind, and this performance definitely validated that. Uh, Zach Palga with a unanimous decision over Jordan Wright. And this is just another meh fight. Like, I would not even recommend watching this back. Um, it was basically Palga putting his weight on Jordan, having him in the clinch, and then Jordan's kind of like slapping Zach's head. Zach doing some grounded pound. That's the quick highlight version of this fight. Uh, Zach landed 85 total strikes, 59 of those significant. He was 0 for 6 in takedown attempts. Brutal. And Jordan landed 199 total strikes, only 29 of those significant. He was 0 for 1 in takedowns. So a lot of those just hands, head slapping. I don't know if that really did anything. Uh, crazy to think 199. You could tell... The legit by only 29 of those were significant. So 170 just bullshit strikes, I guess. So Zach starts a new winning streak. He is one and one in the UFC. He had called out um, who else earlier in this card? Um, uh, Marcin Procnio. They both won on the card. He called someone out, but they're already booked. Um, so that's possible. Um, and Jordan is on a four-fight losing streak. He had not won since May of 2020. And come to find out, he is no longer on the roster. Uh, you know, I had him fighting maybe I um, um, Ihor Poteria, but it looks like he will no longer be with the UFC. Uh, again, you never know with these contracts. I, I, I watch the Twitter handle, Roster Watch. It's like automated by releasing from the roster. But, you know, sometimes guys aren't signed. Their contracts get negotiated later. They could come back. Uh, but I'm assuming with these performances, these guys aren't coming back. And for Zach, I, 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 I really think it's going to be tough for him. The lower half of the light heavyweight division, it's, not, it's one of the more shallow weight classes in all of the UFC. It's a mess. There's not a ton of options. I could see him maybe taking on Felipe Lins, but I feel like Felipe Lins is going to fight somewhere better than that. So uh, he might have to let some things shake out for his next fight. And then we had the short notice fill-in main event of the evening. We had Aaron Blanchfield with a second round submission via rear naked choke over Jessica Andrade. Performance of the night. Give her those 50 Gs. And Aaron Blanchfield shocks the world. We all knew her potential after the last fight, but she stood there with Bate Estaca. She went strike for strike. She was able to get the takedown. Um released on social media today jessica andrage said that you know she doesn't want to take anything from aaron but i guess in the grappling exchange one of her breasts came out she was worried about that it gave aaron the position to get the choke you know take that with as much substance as you want um but aaron blanchfield just took one of the most dangerous women in all of the divisions of women's ufc and took it to her in the second round out of five which is very impressive. I thought if Aaron would have won, it would have been like grinder out, empty that gas tank into the late rounds. And uh, I, I was I was impressed with her striking, how she was able to keep Jessica at range. And to be honest, I thought Andrade was a little wild. I mean, that's kind of the style she has. She'll just Tasmanian devil come into you, hopefully land something, put you to sleep, or you'll feel her power and will make you think differently of how you're approaching the fight the rest of the night. And uh, she was missing a lot. She came in with flurries, burned a lot of energy. 
You could tell she wanted to make it a short clip. She didn't want to deal with Aaron on the ground, probably. But she's a jiu-jitsu specialist, so I didn't think it would be that easy for Blanchfield to get the, the uh, submission to get her back. But again, Blanchfield is different. These new breed of fighters are different, especially in the women's division. These women that are coming in so well-rounded at such a young age, we're going to see a lot of good talent come in, and the level of women's martial arts really level up in the next decade. And Erin Blanchfield's leading that charge. She's so young. She isn't going to be in her prime anytime soon. And she's only going to get better each and every fight. With a win like this, you could easily get right into the title mix. I hope they give her another fight before that. Because, you know, don't throw her in the deep end too early. Um, but I did not think that Blanchfield was going to win. I thought the odds were a little bit um, favoring Blanchfield too much. Because, again, Jessica Andrade is a fucking savage the only people that she's lost to in two three divisions the past like 10 years are some of the best hall of fame and best pound for pound women the fight has ever seen and they've all been champions zong wei lei rose not Yunus, right some of yoana young jacek like the fucking tip top valentina shevchenko and aaron blanchfield really did shock the world um She's a well-mixed martial artist. She is not just a ground game expert. And nobody is going to want to see Aaron Blanchfield on a fight proposed to them anytime soon. But bravo, I couldn't imagine. 23 years old. Holy shit. Statistically, she landed 53 total and 51 of those significant. She did have a takedown in three attempts. And she had that submission attempt. Jessica landed 56 total strikes, 53 of those significant, and she was 0 for 1 in takedowns herself. Now, Erin extends her winning streak to 8. She is 5-0 and in the UFC. She moves up 7 spots in the rankings to number 3, and it was just a cool moment seeing her after she won. It's like you're, you're dreaming of winning a championship or being somewhere. You finally do it, and you're, you've come to realize, like, you've been in tunnel vision, the flow state for so long, it hit you that you just shocked the world and you could see the emotions overrun her amazing moment. Really cool to see. Now, Andrade has her three fight winning streak come to an end. And I kind of wonder like, is her flyweight days going to be over after this? That weight cut or um, the weight cut to straw weight can't, can't be much fun. Um, but she's been hopping in and out of weight classes. You'd think she'd want to stick with one. And now that she's not going to be in the title mix anytime soon, is she going to stick with one division? Who knows? She does move down to number four in this division. Uh, but what's next? I think, again, Aaron needs to get another fight. I, you know, Valentina fights in a couple weeks. So give her someone like Caitlin Chukagian. Just came off a loss, but had been the gatekeeper number one for years. And for Andrade, I think she would be smart to stick at straw weight. And Carla Esparza makes sense. The fact that those two have not fought blows my mind. Uh, but a good get on backtrack get back on track fight and you know potential to get you right back into the championship mix. Um, but still, again, what Aaron Blanchfield did on Saturday night, she beat an amazing fighter, a true savage, Bate Estaca, the pile driver, and uh, she shocked the world. It's great to see those things. We, we've had some major upsets in women's mixed martial arts. I got to see... Uh, Juliana Pena beat Amanda Nunez live. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And uh, this is right up there in, in the, the, UFC, the sport of the UFC, in my opinion.
What does she do next? That, to be determined. This weekend, another, meh, you know, kind of meh Apex card. I'm sick of the Apex, but we get Fight Night Vegas 69. Uh, main card, 4 p.m. Pacific on ESPN Plus. Prelims and main card on ESPN Plus. So we do have some decent fights that we will not be breaking down. Uh, Joe Selecki's fighting. Jordan uh, Leviat, the twerker. Uh, they're both fighting at lightweight against some good Dana White Contender Series debuters. And then we have Mike Mallet versus Johan Lanessi. That's going to be a good fight as well. But we're going to start in the prelims with a really solid fight, even though it's short notice. We get Odie, the Jamaican sensation, Osborne, 31 years old with an 11-5 record, taking on Charles Energy Johnson, 13-3. And this is at a catchweight bout since it's short notice. Now, for this to be a short notice catchweight fight, this is going to be fun. Johnson's been earning his UFC stripes. Besides the tough-fought loss to Mohamed Mikhaev, uh, you know, he's proven he's belonged. Odie's been trying to do that as well. He, he's trying to say, I belong in the top 15. And they're, they're fun fighters to watch, especially Osborne. He has that just must-see kind of style. And both men are in their primes, 31, 32. And this is already Charles' second fight in 2023, so you know he's game. Now, Odie is a southpaw fighter. He trains out of Syndicate MMA. He has a purple belt in BJJ and kickboxing. He's on a one-fight losing streak, but is 4-3 and three in the UFC and against really good flyweight competition. He's a Dana White Contender Series alum. Five of his 11 wins are via knockout. Four via submission. So nine of his 11 wins in flyweight via finish, which is definitely not super common. He's a Dana White Contender Series alum. Five of his 11 wins are via knockout. Four via submission. So nine of his 11 wins are via finish. And he does have a three-inch reach advantage. Now Charles, he's on a two-fight winning streak. He's 2-1 and one in the UFC. He's an LFA alum and six of his 13 wins are via knockout. Now, I think this is going to be a dogfight. Both men are going to have to dig deep. I think this is going to stay standing for majority of the fight as well. I do think Odie has more of that it factor. He's got the unpredictable striking, and I really enjoy that. I mean, you know, when I think of when did I see Odie, it was, you know, early on in his UFC career, and, and he has that just fun, you know, must-see TV kind of energy. And uh, Charles Johnson, the Muhammad Makayev fight, he came from the LFA, a, a well-proven veteran. So it's going to be a clash, but I'm taking the underdog. I'm surprised Odie is the underdog here. I'm taking Odie Osborne. I'm, I'm ready for some dogs coming out to eat. You know, they're coming and barking. Hur, hur. So I'm going to put Odie on that parlay. We putting them on that parlay. We marking them down, and we getting that bread. Moving on, in the main card, we got Tatiana Suarez, 32 years old, with a 9-0 record, taking on Montana De La Rosa, 28 years old, with a 12-7-1 record. And, uh, you know, this, the storyline's simple here. It's the return of Suarez to the MMA octagon. She has not fought since June of 2019 due to some injuries and time off. And she faces a very good Montana who has been in the top 15. She's a proven fighter. 
Tatiana has a freestyle wrestling and BJJ background. She has a brown belt in BJJ. She's an Ultimate Fighter alum and champion. She is undefeated, but it's only 5-0 in the UFC. Montana now recently trains out of Elevation Fight Team. She has a brown belt in BJJ as well. She's an Ultimate Fighter and LFA alum. She is 2-2-1 since the beginning of 2020. So really looking to, to get some positive momentum, consistent momentum. And 8 of her 12 wins are via submission. Now both m- women have good grappling games. I think Suarez is going to get the ring rust off and kind of win a boring fight in my opinion. I think she's the better wrestler than Montana. And of course, she's going to have to not put herself you know, uh, sloppily in position to get overzealous and get submitted. But I think she wins uh, uh, and grinds out an ugly, just, you know, who's got the better gas tank type of fight in her first fight back. Um, The odds are terrible here. I believe she's like minus 700 or better, so I wouldn't put it on a parlay. But I am picking Tatiana. And then we got some big dogs. Very interesting fight. We get Augusto Sakai, 31 years old with a 15-5-1 record versus Dantel Lord Kong Mays, 31 years old with a 10-4 and record. And this is an interesting fight of two heavyweights in their prime, looking for some positive momentum. Not only that, but looking to potentially fight for their UFC lives. I mean, Sakai... It seems like not that long ago was just in the top 15, top 10, and now he's on a four-fight losing streak and is at risk of getting cut from the promotion. And um, I believe this is even his last fight on his contract. And Dontel in his prime looking to make some moves and uh, earn a, 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 a new contract with the UFC. Augusto, he's got a brown belt in BJJ. He's a Dana White contender series and Bellator alum. He's on a four-fight losing streak. 11 of his 15 wins are via knockout and four of his five losses via knockout. So to knock out or to be knocked out. Now, Dontel is a Dana White Contender Series alum. Not one, not two, but three times. I had not even known that. Like, I didn't know you could be a three-time Contender Series alum. You want to talk about adversity. And he fought in the RFA. He is on a two-fight winning streak. He had a no contest uh, in the mix there. After a positive test, it was ruled no contest, but we'll just say, hey, your two-fight winning streak. He is 2-1 and one since the beginning of 2020, so not very active. Five of his nine wins are via knockout. Two of his four losses are via submission, and he does have a four-inch reach advantage. Now, I think this is going to be a wild fight. There's a lot on the line. Dontel has the reach advantage, but I feel like although Augusto may, has lo- may have lost his confidence and he is on a skid, I just feel like he's going to find a way to get in close and wear on Dontel. I've picked Augusto a couple of these fights and that lost and said the same thing, so you never know. But I think he, he, he will make his way in early, and I think he's going to land some big shots. And when he gets in and does some of that dirty boxing on separation, maybe land some big uh um, counters and, and some body shots to open things up. For that reason, I think this was a pick'em's fight when I last saw. But I'm taking Augusto Sakai. I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on. 
Whew, what a scrap this is. We got Andre Sergipano Mooney's 33 years old with a 23 and 4 record and the number 11 next to his name taking on Brendan All In Allen 27 years old with a 20 and 5 record. Now Brendan, he has been thrown to some very tough competition early on in his in his UFC career and he isn't even scratching the surface to his prime. He's going to be fighting a guy who is on a roll. He's just as deadly on the feet and in the grappling department. Both of these very, very, very well-rounded machines. Now, Andre, he's a southpaw fighter. He's got a third-degree black belt in BJJ. He also has a dark blue Prajid in Muay Thai. He has a jungle fight in Dana White Contender Series Brazil alum, as well as a Contender Series alum. So he did the Contender Series in Brazil, didn't earn the contract, did it on Dana White Contender Series uh, in the States and got it. He's on a nine-fight winning streak. He's on a tear. 15 of his 23 wins are via submission, and four of his four losses are via knockout. He had the 2021 submission of the year against Ronaldo Souza. He ended up breaking his arm in that fight. And he has a three-inch reach advantage. Now, Brandon trains at a Kill Cliff FC, formerly known as Sanford. He has a black belt in BJJ. He is a Dana White Contender Series and LFA alum. He was a former LFA champion with two successful title defenses. And he's a Legacy FC alum as well. 11 of his 20 wins are via submission. And he is on a three-fight winning streak all in 2022. Uh, so he had a very successful 2022. Now, I think Brendan is ready for the level of competition that Muniz brings. But Andre, again, is uh, he's a savage. His confidence is at all-time high. He really hasn't been challenged as much lately. And I think he's just going to be too much. I, 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 I think if this doesn't stay striking... Um, He's just a bit better than than Allen in all the positions on the ground. Striking this can get really interesting. I feel like Brendan's got a little bit longer of a frame, although uh, Mooney's has a three-inch uh, reach advantage. So maybe he gets some dirty boxing that goes to it, to his advantage. But on the ground, I just feel like Mooney's is a little bit smoother in each place. For that reason, I'm taking Andre. I'm putting him on my parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on to the main event of the evening. We got Nikita the Minor Krylov. 30 years old with a 29-9 record and the number six next to his name. Taking on Ryan Superman Span. 31 years old with a 21-7 record and the number eight next to his name. Now, here we go. Some legit competition for the big dogs. Both men are trying to level up into the top upper echelon of the, the top 15, top 10 in their primes. You love when it's two guys in their primes, Ryan Span, 31, the minor, 30 years old. And we get two different style fighters. One is more of like a grinder, outworky kind of guy, get you with volume. And Ryan is just, I'll put you to sleep. He, he'll put you to sleep. If he doesn't put you to sleep, he'll put you on the ground and he'll submit you. Now, Nikita is a master of sport in Kaiushin. Uh, 
He also has army hand-to-hand combat and submission fighting, uh, master of sport in those. He's, a, he's on a two-fight winning streak, was very active in 2022, going 2-1. and one. 12 of his 29 wins are via knockout, 15 via submission. So 27 of his 29 fights are via finish. Very, very impressive. And six of his nine losses are via submission. I was surprised when I saw that. Now, Ryan trains out of Fortis MMA. He is a blue belt in BJJ. He is a Dana White Contender Series alum two times, an LFA former champion, and a Legacy FC alum. He is on a two-fight winning streak, both in 2022, and 12 of his 21 wins are via submission. Again, a lot of those, he had basically TKO'd the guy and, and got on top of him and got the submission. Now, I really think that Superman is just understanding how good he is. He is really taking a step into proving his game, getting a team around him, nutrition, strength and conditioning, the whole deal. Even in his post-fight after the quick knockout, he said, I had just, this was like my first true training camp. Um, Nikita, he's a savvy motherfucker. He's going to find a way to get Ryan in the spots he doesn't want to be. That's the kind of guy he is. He's playing chess, not checkers. And he'll grind you out. He's going to put you in positions that he know will tire you out. He's going to try to outwork you because that's what he does. That's why he's the motherfucking miner. Now, I think Superman, he's just too powerful. <laughs> he's going to overpower him. He's going to put him in a position to get the finish. For that reason, I'm taking another dog. I'm taking Superman. We putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. The dogs are coming to eat. <laughs> Now, I love that that fight's happening. I love the Muniz fight. The rest of the card, kind of meh. The Augusto Sakai will probably be a fun fight to watch. Suarez is returning to the fights. But next week, we got UFC 285. Man, I wish I could be there in person. The return of Johnny Bounds Jones. Cyril gone. The heavyweight showdown. The bullet. Valentina Shevchenko, Alexa Grasso, the Pride of Mexico. An amazing card. Prelims on ESPN. Early prelims on UFC Fight Pass. Can't wait. Can't wait to break it down. See you guys next week.